Greetings, dear ones. You are listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, and I am Janine Strong. With all of the continuing chaos and disinformation floating around, there's just so much happening in the world right now. I thought it would be great to have Brad Johnson on again to give his perspective on current geopolitical events. So I am confident this is going to be an interesting and informative conversation. Brad Johnson retired as a senior operations officer and chief of station with the CIA's Directorate of Operations. Mr. Johnson is a certified senior expert in counterintelligence issues with extensive experience in the field. Brad has expertise in dangerous operational environments with the highest level of training and has managed the overseas portion of the Persons Indicted for War Crimes program and served overseas as chief of station multiple times. I think we should have like a Persons Indicted for War Crimes program now. Seems like there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that <clears throat> could uh, qualify. Anyway, in 2017, Brad founded the nonprofit organization Americans for Intelligence Reform to create awareness for political corruption and diminished capabilities within the intelligence community. Hi, Brad. It's good to have you on the podcast again. Janine, thank you very much. It's great to speak with you. Yeah. Now, let's see. We last recorded in September of 2021. I did a little check to see when the last time was. I didn't think it was that long ago, but a lot has happened since then. And um, wow, <laughs> it kind of makes your head spin. I think there is something maybe to the idea of ignorance is bliss. <laughs> huh. Wow, I'm surprised that's been almost a year and a half since we've talked. I'm very surprised by that. I know. I know. I was too. <laughs> Yeah, time flies when you're having so much fun, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure how much fun I'm having anymore. I try, but <laughs> oh my goodness. So what what do you feel is the some of the most important um topics to to talk about today that that you really feel like the listeners should understand what's going on? What floats to the top in my mind is what's going on on the Hill right now with the uh, hearings and investigations looking at uh, particularly the FBI and DOJ. And there's a, a number of different layers to this. But uh, Jim Jordan is is kind of leading some of the investigations into the to the uh, politicization and weaponization of the FBI and what they were doing and mm -hmm. how they were controlling uh, social media and trying to. Uh, block coverage of the news, for example, on Hunter Biden's laptop and mm -hmm. these sorts of things. Uh, this mm -hmm. is this is actually very important as to how this is going to play out. And you're starting to have people on the Hill talk about guys at Facebook doing jail time and things like that. Now, that sort of conversation, in my opinion, is long overdue, but it's also <laughs> yeah. not happened. I mean, people like myself talk about that, but on the Hill for them to talk about it, that's actually kind of a, a paradigm shift. That's new. Right. And just on top of that, we're starting to see a lot of these things come up with these with the Chinese balloon. And now it turns out that's been going on apparently for quite some time. The FBI and 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 uh, and perhaps DOD, not sure how all of this unfolds exactly yet, but apparently these guys weren't re reporting it up. And nobody in a in a in a senior position in the Trump administration was informed of this taking place, yet apparently it, it did take place with more of these balloons. And now under the Biden administration, it looks like uh, 
they were aware of it, but there's, but it, it appears, I mean, this remains to be seen, but it appears that they covered it up and weren't going to report it to the public until it was uh, recorded and, and, and hit the, uh, the social media all over. I mean, YouTube and every place, somebody got a video of the thing up there and everybody's going, well, what is this? Once it got so much public attention, then they had no choice but to report on it. And of course the press not knowing what it was, was all over it. So this got so much media attention, they had to, had to go after it. And that's when they shot it down and all that stuff going on now. So it's, it's very interesting, but if, if that's true, I mean, look at the implications of this, the FBI and elements within DOD covered it up to the public. I th- it's disgusting. I know it's disgusting. I just, I, I'm so bowled over really by all of the corruption. I mean, and, and how it's been hidden from us. I, I think so much of this has been going on for so long and we, you know, we just, we don't even know it. I was watching um, a video of the, the Twitter hearings. Um, yes. Man, we got to get more gals in there. I'll tell you, they're, the girls were really nailing them <laughs> with, with you know, really good questions. <laughs> yes, they are. And uh, I'll say right now, too, I, this is something I've long mentioned. And this comes out of uh, uh, something that I did a lot of work on before, and that was the Las Vegas shootings. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, something that's essentially been covered up by everybody as well. And I, I hope I'm able to bring enough attention to it that that gets reopened and looked at. But, uh, you know, essentially what happened is you had a guy target people that were Trump supporters, who was hard left guy that was the shooter. And uh, there's a, there was a lot more going on with there, more people involved in things. But uh, police being what they are, and of course, the political leadership are the main problem. But uh, once that shooter was found dead in inside the uh, hotel room where he was doing the shooting of that concert, uh, the case was closed. You know, there's the murderer. He's dead. Case closed. So none of the investigation went on. But there was a lot of other elements to it. I mean, there were there were two hotel rooms. They were interconnected. And the guy was found dead in one of them. Uh, but windows were broken out in both of them. Empty shells were located in both of them. And uh, oh. so shooting had clearly taken p- place out of both rooms. Mm-hmm. And in that second room, there was an empty pair of gloves. Uh, somebody had gone to the bed with a pair of gloves on and, and just like shook them off onto the bed and walked out uh, you know, or <laughs> wasn't there at least. So mm-hmm. there's a second pair of gloves. It's in the police report. You can anyone who wanted to look at it could see the photographs of it. So all this stuff goes on. But now when the dead bodies found, the adjoining door was locked so that the, the shooter dead in the main suite did not have access to that second room. Well, how did he get in there? If he's the only shooter, how the hell did he get in there to do all that shooting? That Mm -hmm. door was locked. And the records of the rooms show when a door is opened and closed. And while the shooting was taking place, nobody opened those doors and went in or out. So, And we know shooting was taking place for both rooms, from both rooms. Like I said, this is all in the police report. But, you know, now the reason I mention that specifically is because as I was doing this, a lot of people reached out from law enforcement and many of them were FBI. And many of those guys were pissed because they saw that this 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 was BS the way that this was closed. So there's been a lot of people in the FBI with festering resistance and and anger over the leadership of the FBI and the way they're doing things. And now I think this is spilling over. And with what's going on publicly, even now, as we speak, 
There's there's uh, former FBI agents, people who are retired, coming on TV, going on to talk about all this stuff. So I think the lid has been blown off. A lot of the former FBI guys are finally in a position where they can step up and speak. And we're going to really start to hear some stories from the horse's mouth, if you will. Mm -hmm. A lot of former FBI agents are going to be able to get up and talk about all this stuff. And with all the hearings going on and with people looking at the FBI, I think truly, and I'm, I'm using this term for the second time, which I apologize for, but <clears throat> I think we're seeing a paradigm shift in the situation. And I think that's why we're starting to see some uh, Republican politicians who are normally, you know, completely feckless and, you know, unable to do anything, starting to talk about jail time and starting to do some in, in very interesting investigations and hearings looking in at this stuff. But that was one of the reasons I founded American for, Americans for Intelligence Reform back in 2017. And I had been trying to find ways to, you know, to, to combat this Wep this politicization and weaponization of all of the three-letter agencies uh, was because of this sort of thing. This is mm -hmm. not new. The only difference between now and 10 years ago is that people are seeing it now. There's right. enough people like myself and these now these all these FBI agents that are coming out going, uh -uh, you know, look at the facts here. This is what's being done. This is why they're doing it. Now, the solution, the problem here is you know, to fix it uh, because you cannot fix uh, FBI, DOJ, CIA, CDC, Department of Homeland Security, all of these agencies. You cannot fix them with who's there. Right. You cannot do it because that's that's the only people that are there. They have controlled the pipeline to leadership from the uh, you know for a very long time. So the only people that move up through the ranks are those people, are the very dedicated liberal hardcore uh communist socialist progressive liberals, whatever you want to call them, those are all more or less one and the same thing and and look at uh We've seen things like James Comey, the former director of the CIA or the FBI, rather, excuse me. Uh, you know, he he admitted in, in an interview that when he was in college, he voted communist. And same thing with former CIA director John Brennan. He voted communist. Well, that's that's who these people are. They're the fellow travelers that have all brought each other along into leadership. And, uh, you know, Peter Strzok, you remember that guy? I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. That guy was 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 half crazy. And. But he was head of one of the big the CI division out CI division out of the FBI, which is a big, big, big deal. Uh, it's just and one more little thing. I'll, I'll I'll stop on this particular theme, but one more thing: they just arrested the guy who was the the FBI head of the CI department, which is their counterintelligence, their their intelligence arm out of the FBI, and the FBI is split roughly like one third is intelligence and two thirds is criminal. Hmm. And the, the heads of those two divisions are kind of the you know main leadership in, in FBI. But the guy underneath the CIA division of the FBI, who's the head of the office for CIA in New York, just got arrested. And guess what for? For spying for the Chinese. Jeez. If, if that is a major blow, that guy would have given away a lot of stuff. I have, you know, none of this is being reported. This isn't, I mean, it was touched on in the news, but the importance of this is not being covered in the news. Nowhere. The only guy, well, there's a few people talking about it, but the, the only guy that's pointing out the ramifications of something like that is myself that I've heard at least so far. There's probably another one or two someplace, but what does that mean? That means dead body somewhere because that guy had access to a lot of information uh, the New York office is a big, big office for the mm -hmm. FBI, and that and they're the center of a lot of 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 joint uh, task force there 
that have a lot of intelligence information uh, out of that New York office. So he had access to stuff from all over the world. And out of a lot of that, he would have been able to identify some of the sources of this information. So those sources of information were given up to the Chinese. Chinese would have tracked those guys down. And who knows else he was sharing this information with. And I, I would be... Now, this is only guess. Nobody's told me this. I don't have access to any of that. So I can't speak with certainty, but uh, I can speak with, you know, a very high level of confidence that the, that those guys, the Chinese, the bad guys would have been able to track down sources of information, reporting assets, sources, spies, whatever you want to call them, that are working for the United States of America, and they would have killed them. So I, I guarantee you there's dead bodies out there somewhere that can be associated with that man and, and his name. There is blood on his hands. It's just a question of will it ever be reported in public or not. But it is a mess. And it was only a couple of years ago that the guy that was the head of the CI uh, uh, department or division of Canadian intelligence, which is under the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, a section within the RCMP. Okay. That guy got arrested for, guess what? Spying for the Chinese. Jeez. And he's part of the five eyes, which is... Uh, the the intelligence sharing apparatus between Canada, the United States, Australia, the UK, and New Zealand, and mm -hmm. it's I mean these are major, major, major blows. And I would add one last little thing on this, and that is that the Chinese balloons. You know, one of the interesting yeah, things about, about that that yeah nobody's reporting on it. I mean, they report that they exist. They report that it was shot down. They report that the investigation was going on. But why balloons? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. It's, it seems so weird to me. It. I agree. I think it is very weird. And I think I have the answer. Okay. I think the answer is because the U.S. did not have a protocol for spy balloons. Now, mm. that means, which this is why I say this, the Chinese were all over our stuff. They have all our protocols. They sat down, started looking through the protocols and said, hey, here's a chink in the U.S. armor. They don't have a protocol for balloons. They're not looking for balloons. So guess what, boys and girls and chairman, you know, let's go with the, with the balloons. And I think that's why it was balloons is because they knew we didn't have protocols. They knew we weren't looking for balloons. So they picked a weak spot and took advantage of it. I think that's exactly why. And, and that that means that they were looking at all of our protocols, which is all classified mm. information. And they were going through it. So that means their access into our classified information is stunningly complete. Mm -hmm. And wow. I, I, I know I keep going on, but one more no, thing please. on that. Yeah, please. Right, thanks. This is fascinating. The the, the uh, FBI under under Donald Trump did something, you know, useful, which I'm happy to say. And they're not doing a lot of that lately. And mm -hmm. what they did was he was they he tagged them to go after Chinese espionage taking place in the United States and influence operations and propaganda, et cetera. And within a few months of the FBI being ordered to go after this stuff, the Chinese, you know, this is counterintelligence from the FBI perspective, going after the their job, of course, and going after the Chinese. Within just a few months, they had cases open in all 50 states. There was so much low-hanging wow. fruit there that they were just everywhere that the FBI just was every time they looked, every time they turned over a rock, they were finding Chinese spies. And that's in the uh, in uh, the scientific institutes, the universities, uh, all of these different things where the Chinese could gain anything of value. And we've seen the the guy that was the head of the, uh, I believe, it, what was it, chemistry department out of Harvard is, I think he's sitting in jail right now for what? Spying for the Chinese, you know? It's just time after time after time on a, on a personal note, 
the Office of Personnel Management, which is the basically the HR department for the U.S. federal government, everybody that applies for federal employment, everybody who works for the federal government, everybody who's retired out of the federal government, that like two inch thick package of information sits in, in that office, the Office of Personnel Management. That was hacked by guess who? You know, not what the Democrats are always saying. They're always saying Russia, Russia, Russia. They got hacked by the Chinese. Mm. The Chinese have that stuff. So they have information on every federal employee at the time they got it. Every federal employee, every federal retired employee and uh, anyone who ever applied, they have all of that, that information. And believe me, it's everything. It's social security number, it's current address, past address, parents, their status, whether they're living or dead, their address, your grandparents, their status, all of that is in there. And that is a treasure trove of information for Chinese intelligence. And I guarantee you, part of our problems now comes out of that hack. And what did we do about it? Nothing. 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 Wow. And, you know, and they, they're pissed off about are shooting down their balloon. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, I, I don't wish upon myself to become a politician, but if I were president of the United States, I would be, I, I would make Trump look like he was an innocent little bystander compared to but what I would be doing to the Chinese for all this stuff. I'd be, so I'd be very happy to sit down with them and pound the table and say, you did this, you did this, you did this, you know, <laughs> you want trouble boy, you've come to the right place. Cause I'm, I want to take care of you right now. You want to make a war out of it? Do it. <laughs> well, well, I'll turn you into a parking lot. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, and th- what you're saying emphasizes the fact that this has been going on for decades. I mean, to get all of these. This is what I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said, you know, this ha- for all of these. <clears throat> excuse me, for all of these these things to come into play, like even even the. Um, uh the uh what is it the oh those shows with the transgender the um oh gosh i'm having a senior moment um you know that they're doing with kids critical race theory and all of the transgender stuff that they're doing in schools now you know it's like where where guys are dressed up in in girls clothes and they're prancing Uh, around shows drag shows thank you okay there we go yeah so you know with like all of these drag shows these these uh queen drag shows and they're they're doing this for children it's like it's everywhere all of a sudden it seems to me anyway unless it's been going on and i didn't know but there there's just seems to be so many things that are all of a sudden in place and happening it, it and these things didn't just happen overnight right it, it has to be planned for a long time there you know there's a lot of work to do to get it to this place there's no question whatsoever and it's decades of work i would argue that yeah. a lot of this was set in motion uh prior to world war ii mm-hmm. uh you know the what what stalin and the kgb early on was able to get a lot of recruitments and and uh, the Rosenbergs that were executed mm-hmm. for having given mm-hmm. up the uh, atom bomb to the Russian and things like that. Those 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 uh, were philosophical converts that believed in socialism, and that uh, that they found homes. Those fellow travelers, the communist, socialist, progressive liberals, uh, found homes in the United States and started to hide. We saw it in Hollywood. We saw that get attacked and, you know, in, in some of the commissions investigating that, which Hollywood, you know, 
still reviles the fact that that happened to them in those days. But they were able to find homes and all that. And a lot of that was at State Department. So State Department, since basically World War II, it became bureaucratized, became hard left and was was uh, what we see of all of these other agencies now where they've become politicized and weaponized is the status that State Department's been in for you know since World War II, essentially. And I'll say prior to World War II, State Department was a fantastic uh, organization that was very effective and did a lot of stuff. Uh, they were they were really you know very effective prior mm-hmm. to World War II. But once they turned hard left, they became useless. But that's also inroads for how uh, how these other countries that are communist or socialist countries make inroads and get spies and start working their way in. And make no mistake. This didn't just happen on its own. This is all being financed by our enemies and millions of dollars are coming in. And if you start looking these things all up, I mean, for example, back in Clinton days when he became president, you know, we know for a fact that money was coming to him from the communist Chinese in California. And there was at least one guy that went to jail for that back in those days. So that, you know, that's the world going back quite a little ways now already for that they were already that that far along and it has you know they're doubling down every year on this they're getting so aggressive that we had that chinese spy bang bang that was sleeping with mm-hmm. that congressman swalwell out of california mm-hmm. and uh she was funneling money into his campaign and you know where from of course it was from the communist chinese so it's 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 just overwhelming what they've been able to accomplish and the groundwork has been laid for a very long time. And we've seen that process that took place at State Department continuing, continuing, continue. I watched it take place at the CIA. I've watched how Department of Justice and FBI have both changed uh, and Department of Homeland Security is, is going strongly that way. We've, you know, CDC, it's, there's just no mistaking, they're mm-hmm. hard left and, and, mm-hmm. and they're supporting organizations that like the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is an oh, extension God. of the Communist Party in China. And mm-hmm. whatever it is that the commies out of China want, that's what World Health Organization does. And, you know, and we're funding a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's just insanity. And uh, But it's continuing on. It's unabated. And as I mentioned, it's gotten so far in that direction that we're to the point where it can no longer be fixed with, with who's there. And uh, what what do you do? I mean, do you do you eliminate ten uh, percent of all the organizations that is one hundred percent of the leadership? Because that's really what you'd have to do to turn all this around and and start to have impact. You can. There are within the ranks of the lower downs a lot of people. I would describe as just normal, hardworking people that want to mm-hmm. do a good job. Yep. And you can turn to those people. And in the FBI. Uh, Maybe to a less degree in Department of Justice, they probably need a, a more broad brush clean of house there. Uh, but most of the rest would would get by with that. I think DOD is the only um, organization in the United States, the military, uh, where they're so big, particularly Army, uh, where they're so big that there's uh, some of everything in there. So if you just cleaned cleaned house pretty well at the top and got rid of all of these you know, the craziness that's there and just put in the solid people that are all around it, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd go back to having a good organization. But these, all of these organizations, especially DOD, have been beat up so bad. I mean, training has become a joke. Uh, morale has become a joke. They've, mm-hmm. uh, they've so depleted the ranks that we're just uh, not able to really get the job done that's required. And now you've got some of the military leaders, particularly in 
PATCOM, the Pacific Command, who's looking at Chinese aggression throughout the, the Pacific Ocean. Uh, they're looking at all that going, hey, these guys are preparing for war and we're, you know, we're downsizing and sitting on our thumbs and our capabilities are degrading as, as we go along. And they're, they've, they've just built their, their third homemade aircraft carrier, which is a full-size aircraft carrier the size of our major aircraft carriers. And they're building all of the associated uh, fleet that goes with that and attendant ships and, and submarine fleet. You know what? You know this is this isn't what they're building is a an aggressive fleet. This is not mm. you know defense sort of thing. This is right. attack sort of thing. And if if anyone thinks that Taiwan is not in danger, they're just not paying attention. You know, China is very open about the fact that either Taiwan surrenders surrenders to us or we're taking it. You know they've said that very clearly that that that's their intention. So it, you know this has Japan worried. Mm -hmm. uh, the Chinese are being very aggressive on all the islands: Vietnam, Indonesia. Uh, Philippines, they're landing on those islands, sending in you know, military dressed in civilian clothing uh, and to measure them for runways and where to oh, set wow. up the blockhouse and all that kind of stuff. And they are going to their goal is to militarize the entire South Pacific, which like half of the world's shipping goes through there. Oh, and right. yeah, if they would then have 100 percent control, it would be control of the new Silk Road, in essence, which is mm -hmm. the the economic impact of that, you know, just cannot be understated. It would be wow. stunning, and they've already tried to say to U.S. ships, for example, if you want to sail through the Pacific Ocean, the southern half of the Pacific Ocean, you need our permission first, and you can't have any military vessels. And you, you know, the U.S. is going, yeah, okay, bite me, and they they go sail around through there, and all of those countries are worried. I mean, India's had a couple border wars with them. Uh, Vietnam has a history of some wars with with uh, China. All of these countries know that this is a growing danger. And uh, all of them talk about it in the news all the time. And here we sit in the United States with our thumbs up our rear with nobody reporting on it. It is not hitting the news how aggressive they are in this enormous worldwide program that's having just resounding success. The only guy that had any you know the wherewithal to try and fight back at all on this was Trump, who was mm -hmm. very successfully doing it. He did not understand the bureaucracy and he did not surround himself with the people that know what to do, right. but he did still get some stuff done in spite of all of that. If mm -hmm. he comes back, I've made this suggestion to him indirectly, but made it many times. And that is surround yourself with warfighters. And I'm, I'm talking about, you know, there are law enforcement guys that have been in the sticks that have, have been out there, you know, boots on the ground operations, law enforcement operations, surround yourself with those guys. The military guys, the ones that have been out there, the boots on the ground that have been fighting, that, that have some combat time, uh, th surround yourself with those guys. And on the intelligence thing, uh, end of things, the same thing. Surround yourself with guys like myself. Not me, but guys like myself. <laughs> I don't want to go back into government. But <laughs> surround yourself with guys like me that, you know, I spent 20 years overseas. You're not going to mm -hmm. fool me with that crap. I know how all this works. Yeah. And what and instead what they do is they come in and surround themselves with former congressmen and they surround themselves with the bureaucrats out of all of these places, some guy that that sit sat in CIA headquarters for, you know, uh, the opposite of me. I was in for 25 years out of that 20 years was overseas, five years when it was at headquarters. Most of those guys that they surround themselves with are the other way around five years overseas and 20 years in the in the bowels of bureaucracy. Those guys, you know, they don't you know, they know some stuff, but 
you know, they're, they're not fit to tie my shoes when it comes to operations and how to run things because mm-hmm. they've never done it. You know, all they do is read about what I do. People like me, you know, mm-hmm. they read and, mm-hmm. and about the stuff I accomplish and then they go downtown and say, oh, yeah, we did this. Uh, it wasn't we. I did it. <laughs> You're reporting on what I did and taking credit for it, which is that is the way of things. It's not a not unique to the CIA. It's but it's very much part of the bureaucracy. The mm-hmm. higher ups take credit for stuff they could have never accomplished uh, themselves under any circumstances at any time in their life. Wow. Okay. So a couple of things occurred to me while you were talking. Um, so. So it seems to me like the Chinese are are moving forward militarily, militarily, <laughs> um, yes, because they've got everything in place on the ground. You know, the the they've infiltrated everywhere. I mean, I was reading the other day that there are, uh, you know, a couple thousand Chinese spies scattered around the states, and I'm like, really? But now, from what you're saying, I hear what you're, yeah, I get it. Um, so. Because I was, I'm also under the impression that the DOD is behind the whole uh, the Corona crap, the pandemic, the the jabs, um, getting Pfizer to produce, you know, uh, to to produce the the jabs and that are killing people right and left. Um, and so, but if if the if the CCP is behind the DOD, basically, um, that makes sense. What's your thought on that? Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, DOD is probably one of the better ones just because they're so large. Uh, there are just so many people involved. You, yeah, you but we're talking you, about the upper echelon, right? Yes, absolutely correct. That was the point I was headed towards. The okay. The upper echelon, the leadership is dominated. Uh, I would say it's 100% controlled in all the other agencies, uh, but it's not 100% controlled in DOD, but it's dominated by them. So they only pull in their fellow travelers. They only talk with their you know, like-minded, politically corrupt individuals. And, and then they decide what's best and not best and all of that. And don't, don't faithfully report it up. So uh, are they working for the communist Chinese? Well, you know, no, not in general terms. I mean, there are probably spies in DOD that work for the Chinese, but those are individuals. And uh, the leadership is, is they don't have to be recruited because they're basically like-minded. I mean, there is very little daylight. There's very little difference between a progressive liberal or a communist or a socialist. Those are all one and the same thing. Philosophically, they're in agreement. So many of those guys, they don't need to work for the Chinese to do what the Chinese want. Right. And that, I, I would add that to the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is basically doing what the Chinese want because they agree with that. I mean, how how many times have we heard a Democrat say, wow, you know what the Chinese are able to do so effectively during COVID, they can really make things happen. Well, yeah. You know, if you have an absolute dictatorship and anyone that gets in your way, you just freaking shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. You can get stuff done that way. Yeah. That was the, the plan that Hitler used, and he got a lot of stuff done, if mm-hmm. you want to look at it from that perspective. But is that what we should emulate? I, I right. don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay, so so what you just said brings me to my second point. Okay. Because I feel really stupid that for the majority of my life, I've felt that I was, you know, a progressive, liberal, mostly Democrat. I I I was more independent. I would certainly vote for a Republican if I felt, you know, that that they were the right person. But, you know, pretty much I considered myself a liberal progressive. And 
And how did I get conned all these years? I mean, seriously, it's, you know, I, I didn't realize at all what I was buying into. And now that I'm way more educated and I guess part of it is I didn't really, I didn't really um, want to get involved in politics. I just, that was like, so I, I, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, but, but still, I mean, most of my friends were, you know, considered themselves liberal. I I know so many people now who are like, oh my God, I'm conservative. (laughs) You know, I'm a conservative. I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a, it just, I don't know. It's just kind of depressing, I guess. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I mentioned this to you once uh, when we spoke uh, a year and a half ago, but it's, it's one of those things where I just, I, people, it, it, the entire leftist philosophy is based on self-deception because what are you doing? You're, you know, it, it, it can never allow open, honest debate. And that's why you have all the censorship, because if there's open, honest debate, the left will lose. Because it makes no sense. It's based on self-deception. You pick a topic that's a hot button for the liberals and they're lying about it. You know, there's nothing that they're out there doing that's that that's actually honest, open truth and honest, open debate over any issue. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, they're defending the philosophy of that brought us Hitler, the, that brought us Stalin, that brought mm-hmm. us Chairman Mao. Those mm-hmm. are the top three murderers on the entire planet and the entire history of mankind. They've murdered more people than than any other individual can be held responsible for. And yet they're defending that philosophy. And one of the greatest propaganda uh, campaigns ever run was started by Stalin because at the end of World War II, there was a movement out there supported by a lot of Jews that that survived concentration camps Mm -hmm. to point out that Hitler's regime and the Stalin regime uh, were almost identical the way the governments were organized and everything. They were almost exactly, I mean, you're at the like mm. 95% identical government structure between those two governments, Wow. the, the St- Stalin and Hitler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Stalin, as a result, uh, purposely with the KGB devised a program to call uh, Hitler extreme right. Mm. And that has survived to this day. Kids are taught in school today propaganda from Stalin and from the KGB that somehow the nationalist socialist German workers party in Germany, the Nazis are somehow a right-wing organization. Well, and and look, let's define terms here, right-wing. What does it mean to be conservative? Conservatives are small government and individual rights. What is the left? What is socialism? What was Hitler? What was Stalin? What was, what was Chairman Mao? It was government authority, over everyone and government owns everything and everyone and you know complete government authority and and no individual rights and a huge government that that owns everything and all of them were that way you know and in housing and soviet union it all belonged to the party not Mm -hmm. even the government you know Mm -hmm. the flag that red flag with the hammer and sickle on it that was Mm -hmm. never the russian flag that was the Communist Party flag or the Socialist Party flag, whatever. You know, it was the party flag. That would be like the Democrats right now flying Democrat flags over everything and getting rid of the stars and stripes. And it's, it was it's all the same. You know, the flag that China uses to now, right now, the five gold stars on the red background, mm-hmm. that's not the Chinese flag. That's the party flag. Same thing with the Nazis. You know, that 
swastika and all that stuff. That was not the German flag. That was the party flag. Oh, interesting. I never made that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. They're all that way. It was the party over everything. The party owns the government. The government owns everything. And well, uh, and so go ahead. If you don't wear a mask and somebody feels like you should be wearing a mask, they don't do anything. It's ridiculous. It's just a face diaper. You're being selfish right because you're not thinking of the whole you're not thinking of of the group your your individual rights don't mean anything that's what i keep hearing is that we have to think of the the greater whole and and not think of our selfish uh individual needs yes well if you're a brain dead borg then that makes sense if you're a thinking human being uh then then that does not make sense so i mean it's one of the things that i the, the, the left always is guilty of calling conservatives what they're guilty of. And they're, they always say, oh, you know, these conservatives, they're mind-numb robots. Well, it's the left that's mind-numb robots. And, and their entire philosophy, as I said previously, is, is based on self-deception. There's just, you know, and, and that's a perfect example of, you know, point in fact, those, uh, in, in fact, a virus on a cloth mask, which was, everybody is wearing, it it keeps it alive inside there. Whereas if you're yeah. outside, one of the things that kills a virus immediate, immediately is sunlight. So <laughs> you are safer. Everyone is safer around you not to have a mask on outside. Everyone is safer. This is plain scientific fact that's been known for a very long time. And yet now uh, people are self-deluded as to how that works. And there's a, there are negative health consequences to wearing a mask all the oh, time. You're yes. not breathing uh -huh. properly and getting in enough oxygen and all that sort of stuff. But none of that is honestly reported. It's, it's, it's a perfect example of how there is no honest debate. There is no questioning of, of their philosophy and their statements allowed. So it all has to be censored. And, you know, if the facts get out there, they're going to be proven to be idiots and mind-numbed robots. And of course, that's what cannot be allowed. And, you know, that's why the left is still to this day, people are online all the time, or, you know, saying this and that meetings and things like, uh, you know, you're, you're a Nazi, you're protecting Nazism. Well, like, you know, that's, first of all, the Nazis were socialists, and I'm anti-socialist. I've been all my life anti-socialist, fighting these guys for a long time overseas for the CIA and all of that. You know, I'm, I'm the opposite of somebody who's who's a Nazi, where you, you're supporting big government, that's all Nazism. That was what they do. And the, the way they do propaganda, the way they don't allow dissent, the way they don't allow debate, you know, they were the guys that all made it into science. And that has been picked up by the, by, by the Nazis is what is how propaganda is run today. The thing that is concerning me is this C, was it CBDC? Because once that if it ever happens, I hope it doesn't, but you know, they want that in place because with that, they can control everything. Yeah. You know, the way that, that, um, the Democrats, uh, the, 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 their, their, the way they're kind of learning to do these things is they have figured out that, uh, any emergency and they, there have been Democrats throughout the years that have said this stuff openly that, you know, no, uh, uh, was it no crisis should go to waste? Right. Yeah. And yep. Uh, that's that's their view of it. <laughs> and so any crisis will do because 
for the good of the people, you have to step in and take control for the good of the people, which is precisely what you've pointed out with the masks. Mm -hmm. You're selfish. You're not thinking of the greater good. You know, you have to think of the the whole, you know, and you're being selfish. You're an asshole. You're evil. You should be beat up. You should be cast aside. You should not be able to work, which is what they've done. They threw a lot of those people out. Now, why specifically? Because they don't care about ruining the economy. That doesn't matter to liberals and, uh, you know, the ones in power. And uh, that helps them eliminate people that they know are their philosophical enemy. Because if you refuse to take the jab or you're fighting back or you're, you want to contest it based on religious grounds, what of that, you're not them. So you're the perfect person to get rid of. This was a culling of anybody that wasn't a hardcore leftist out of government and out of positions of authority. That's why they did all this. And, you know, it was it was it was a consolidation of power. Nothing more, nothing less. It, it, it was it was very clearly organized, well organized and and uh, uh, something they were very prepared to move forward with. And, and, and they did a good job of it. Now, Brad, there are correct me if I'm wrong, but it's my understanding. It's not just Democrats. There are Republicans who are in the same camp, too. Yes. And there's a few Democrats that aren't so bad. Uh, I would right. say this is something I've mentioned to a number of very senior Republicans over time, and they've all you know shook, shook their head. Yes, as I say this. But uh, I would say Democrats are, are about 90 percent scumbags and Republicans are about 50 percent scumbags. Okay. So there's a you know half of Republicans are you know fairly decent to, to really good. And a very small percentage of Democrats are actually decent people. The problem is when you take 90 percent of Democrats and 50 percent of Republicans and add them all up, you know, that's a huge majority. And you've mm-hmm. only got 10 percent of Democrats and 50 percent of Republicans. That's a, a pretty small minority. And of those, you know, of those good guys, the ones that are willing to stand up and speak out on these sorts of things are few and far between because they're afraid that they will not be reelected if they say this stuff. And unfortunately, with our system the way it is in elections, all these politicians, that's their career. They're career politicians. Mm. I, I mean, that I, needs to there stop. A, yes, I wish there was something we could do to easily fix that, but we haven't figured it out yet. And I, I, some of these guys, I mean, there was a, a former military guy. He was a decent enough guy. I was around his campaign and, and part of the not part of his organization, but I was helping his the organization that was running his campaign. So I was I was on the fringe of it because the people working on the campaign were friends of mine, not because I liked him hugely as a candidate. Uh, but he was going after this to become a, a congressman all out. And when he didn't get that job, he you know he started canvassing all of us to find a job, you know, because that was <laughs> he didn't have another job. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any other possibilities. He was running for Congress because he wanted that work. And, you know, he had a big ego. You know, he thought his he, he uh, I don't know how to phrase it politely, but he thought he was, you know, too good for a normal job and that that was the you know, that was the place for him. Well, he didn't get elected. So then he's thrown out onto the street, doesn't have any income and, and then is scrounging around trying to find anything. But that's who the majority of these people are. Many of these guys and and I've met hundreds of these people through the years. I mean congressmen and senators because they every place I was uh which is mostly you know areas of conflict or there were problems going on because that's why I went there because it, mm-hmm. it was more fun it was more interesting and <laughs> so we would get these congressional delegations out the codels and so I meet all these guys I mean they're that's why I, that's where I originally formulated that they're all scumbags 
or most mm-hmm. of them, the majority of them were scumbags because I would see what they do and, you know, drugs and prostitution and all that kind of stuff. You, you better believe that those guys, when they go overseas, uh, you know, they, they feel like they can do whatever they want and they do it. And what's interesting out of that, here's a little quirk for you that you won't you know, have heard and, except for from me. And that is that if, if a congressman goes out overseas and goes to some sort of, you know, prostitution place and has sex with a 12 year old uh, and then goes back to the United States and I report it, who broke the law, him or me? And the answer to the question is, I broke the law. He did not. I broke what? the law because I'm reporting on a U.S. congressman and that's illegal. Oh, he did not God break the sakes. law because because they're not prosecuting him in that country. And that's that's how this system works. It's all set up. And guess guess who makes the laws, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that same congressman and his his compatriots. So, of course, this is all set up, you know, for them. These guys, they're just they're completely without shame. I mean, they they kept voting themselves uh, promotions. You know, they vote on their own salary. So they kept voting to give themselves a raise, give themselves a raise. And the, the, there, there became so much pushback on it that they could not get away with voting so, themselves a new raise. So instead, what they did is they voted themselves a fifty thousand dollar annual deduction. So by being a congressman, <laughs> you get a you get a fifty k deduction. So you pay less or almost nothing in taxes. I mean that this is just how they they backdoored all this stuff. I mean just scumbags. And none of them, even the good guys, they weren't standing up going, "Hey, come on." Don't play these games with the American public. You know, you didn't you didn't hear any of that when they were doing this stuff. And, and the killer, this one just pisses me off so bad. I retired out of the agency on the same program that a congressman retires with. It's the same one. And mm-hmm. uh, to get my retirement, I had to have 25 years with the agency. A congressman has to have two terms. That means four years. So he gets full retirement on his salary after four years, four wow. years of being a congressman. That somebody like myself to get that retirement had to have 25 years in to get. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's just oh, I, the stuff they vote in for themselves is absolutely incredible. And this is who we have running our country. And every two years, they're in election mode. So they're 24-7 while in office. They're looking for donations. They're looking for yeah. money all the time. So they they spend all their time bowing at the altar of gold trying to get more money in because they need it to run for re-election. And one of those, you know, they don't necessarily have tough elections every two years, but they know they need money in the campaign chest because uh, at some point there's going to be a tough election. They'll need to spend more money. So they're just, it never ends. They're always doing that. So you have this cadre of guys and women who are there only to perpetuate themselves being there. And because there's no time to do anything else and they just, they have to be at it all the time. It is, uh, you know, I've looked at term limits. I think, you know, I would personally vote for term limits. I would be happy to have that pass. Um, and I think it would help, but I don't think it would, it would be a solution. Um, mm-hmm. it would, like I said, it would be a, a step in the right direction, but that's all. And, and what is the solution on that one? I'm, I'm not even entirely sure. Uh, I, I don't, you know, their argument on the other side, and you hear Republicans, Democrats alike make this argument that, you know, you, you, we need their expertise because after they've been there 10 or 15 years, they really know the ropes and what to do and all that kind of stuff. And they're, uh, mm-hmm. they're you know, th- that expertise is required. Well, you know, I personally, I don't buy that. I think that's mostly, you know, hogwash. Uh, and but they do point out correctly that under those circumstances, 
the body of knowledge would would uh, rest a lot with staffers versus the congressman or congresswoman, which, mm. yes, that's a valid point. So, you know, how do you fix all that? And I haven't personally I haven't come up with a good plan to fix it all. But uh, I don't know. In the old days, when the when the when our country was founded, those guys were not paid. They were they were you know, that was a volunteer thing. A volunteer. That you did. Uh-huh. Yeah. You had to be elected, but it was still it was a volunteer thing to do. It was an unpaid position. I'm kind of inclined to think that would that would help a lot to go back to that. Now, of course, the battle cry is going to be that, well, you know, then uh, only the uh, the elite, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. the rich would Who be able to run for to Congress. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, frankly, would probably be an improvement. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that's a practical thing that would that could be done. But, uh, you know, there are things like that that would be an improvement. I none of I don't you know, that's just not politically possible, but I, I think that would improve the situation too. What we do, I think, is going to ultimately be nothing because the guys that have to vote that in are the are the, the congressmen and women themselves. And right. they're just well, not going to do I, it. I, yeah, I was just going to say that's that's why nothing's changed. And yep. it's just gotten worse because everybody I've known all my life has felt that that it needs to change. There should be at least term limits. There should, you know, uh, lo- lots of things, but it's not going to change because they're the ones who have control over what happens with themselves. So, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to do, uh, you know, an amendment to the Constitution or something like that and get, you know, whatever it is, 38 states or 39 states or whatever to approve it or 36, whatever that threshold is. Uh, you know, that that's really the only practical way to get it done and to get that many states to agree on anything uh, is pretty tough. So I, I don't know. There have been some. Uh, people that have made that attempt and are making progress for term limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's one of their their hot button issues. And like I said, I agree. Uh, I think it's a great step forward. I hope they get it done. I hope they succeed. It would be something helpful. But you know, it's 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 just none of that stuff is going to fix our problem. And right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't. There. I don't think there is a politician that's got the huevos to actually try and fix stuff. Yeah, I know. I well, speaking of politicians, what do you think of Tulsi Gabbard? Uh, I mean, I, I she's like okay. Her. Yeah. yeah, she's okay. I, I, I kind of lump her in with DeSantis. Forgive me for that, but uh-huh. I, you know, I see him as her as a relatively positive uh, person, and you know, uh, has has some you know kind of successes out there in front of the public, and that uh, there are things that people like about her, and some of the policies that she espouses are good. Uh, all of those sorts of things. But my basic complaint or if you will or, or mm-hmm. what i see is the essential negative out of all of those guys and and you've got desantis will probably declare her uh i wouldn't be surprised uh mike pompeo mike pence i mean like i said there's 12 or 15 guys out there in the wings that are that are looking to declare themselves as candidates for president and, and i you i would be very surprised if we have a field smaller than 10 I think it'll be at least 10 and maybe as many as say 15 to 18. Uh, but the problem with all of those guys and nothing against her personally or, you know, DeSantis or Pompeo or uh, Pence, even, you know, no, nothing against any of them uh, on, on this ground. But the problem is they don't view the status of the government as the problem. Mm. What, you know, their kind of argument is, or when they come in, they are politicians and they're professional politicians. That is their livelihood. So they don't see kind of, uh, you know, 
dismantling large swaths of the government that are creating so many problems. They don't see that as a desirable thing to do. And they would also view that as, as well, there's so much uh, going to be so much political pushback out of that, that, you know, I would damage myself politically and, and they're politicians. So mm-hmm. they don't, they don't want to do anything. I, I, you know, having been in government so long, there's little things that you learn about what people say. And, uh, you know, one of them is that, that, you you know, I I'd had, I went through a thing, it's a silly little thing. I ended up having to pay some airline tickets out of my pocket because I was trying to save the government money. And I went to complain going, hey, look, I just I, I paid three hundred dollars for what they were going to charge me for nine hundred dollars. I saved the government a lot of money. This is when I first started out. So I was really poor. And and they made me pay back half the ticket, 150 bucks. So I went to complain about it. The guy looked at me, and said, Brad, it was a senior guy. He goes, Brad. Do not try to save the government money ever. <laughs> All you're going to do is get yourself in trouble. This will always happen. All you're going to do is get in trouble. That was right. I mean, everybody who's ever been in government, all those guys, if they're listening right now, are all nodding their head yes, because don't try to save the government money. It just gets you in trouble. And it's it's the truth of it. And I came out of banking. And so I was... I was, you know, going into government going, well, wait a minute, why are you doing that? That makes no sense. I mean, it costs us this amount to get that. That's no good. And everybody would look at me like I was absolutely freaking from Mars. I mean, nobody in government comes out of private sector. I mean, there are a few like myself, but that the uh, of the of the people in operations that I met, I'm the only guy I know that actually had a solid business background. I'm the only one oh, that my. I ever met in the CIA operations that had a solid basis in business. So I was unique, you know, in every meeting and conversation I had as to my business acumen because I understood all that stuff. I mean, coming out of banking, you pick up a lot of stuff related to that. And I'd been mm-hmm. in for a few years. So I had a lot of experience in that. And uh, it's just they don't understand that. You know, I've talked to a lot of gov- government people where they're they're basically all brought up to good little socialists and they go to work maybe at, in the military or something like that. And then they get out of that and go into uh, the FBI or the CIA or, you know, or, or continue to advance within DOD, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But none of them have any government uh, outside of government experience other than like school. And what is school? It teaches them all to be good little commies. Mm-hmm. And then they get in these jobs and they don't understand like budget and things. They don't understand that. Money has to come from someplace. But you you can't even heard just Barack keep Obama it. point out, <laughs> oh, yeah, and they, they, you know, Barack Obama was pointing out, you know, he was saying, well, yeah, there's all these roads and stuff, you know, you private sector guys, you didn't build that, and that's just what, what an idiot. Yes, they did because they're the ones paying taxes that was used to do that. They're exactly the ones that did that. You think government did it? Government is a leech on the back of the economy. It Mm -hmm. sucks blood, money out of people. It doesn't create money. I mean, it prints money, but that creates inflation. That doesn't (laughs) create more money. And, uh, you know, it's, it's. It's one of those things where I would, I, you know, for example, charities. This is stuff I talk about quite often. Charities are are rated based on their efficiency, and it's one of those things where uh, you can you can find these ratings where they're eighty percent efficient or ninety percent efficient or seventy percent efficient, meaning that their overhead versus how much money is actually spent on the charity. So most charities that are under eighty percent efficiency are considered bad charities. Mm-hmm. So that if you give a dollar to that charity at eighty percent efficiency, twenty percent goes to pay for overhead, 
the salary of the people who run it and all of that and their cars and gas and all that. That's at 20 cents out of that dollar goes to those overhead expenses. Mm -hmm. 80 cents then out of that dollar goes to the charity purpose, whatever it is, you know, heart research, whatever it is. And that is considered minimal what you need for efficiency of charity. The ones that are 90, 95% are really, really kind of considered premium because so much of the money goes to the desired, you know, end place. Right. Now, government is used as an enormous charity. The largest charity in the world right now is the U.S. government. And so these guys are saying, oh, well, you know, we have to help the homeless and we have to have, you know, unemployment and we have to have this, and we have to have that, all of these different things we have to have. But what they leave out is the enormous inefficiency of the federal government. Federal government operates at about 3% efficiency. Oh my so God. out of every dollar that you pay in that has to go to charity, 97 cents has to go someplace else. I mean, how does Congress pay for all this stuff, like the deductions and the retirement and all that stuff? That's all overhead. The overhead out of the U.S. government is just astronomical. So anyone who these these golfers left us, oh, you know, we have to take care of this and take care of that. You know, stupid head, you know, you, you want to do it through government and collection of taxes so that three cents out of every dollar gets to the actual people that need it. You know, that's asinine. That's just absolute based on ignorance, like everything the left wants. What you should do is set that up so that the the money that goes into a charity that is operating at 80 or 90 percent efficiency, that that money is, say, a tax credit. If you want something actually done, actually taken care of, set up a charity that does that and make sure that that's a tax credit to put money in there. And I guarantee you they'll have millions of dollars pouring in through the door. And at 90, 80 or 90 percent efficiency, that's all going to go to the stated purpose where you'd have to collect uh, you know, 500 times that amount out of tax money to get the same amount to that charity. I mean, it's absolutely asinine. But we're, you know, there are congressmen and senators that understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Most probably do not. Most probably don't know this. But there are some that do. And where are they? Why aren't they out there stumping saying this stuff? But it's just, uh, you know, the, the way government works is just astounding, overwhelming. And many people, I will say, are like kind of what you were saying earlier, you know, you don't really want to be in politics. Politics is, you know, a big pile of manure. Why would anyone want to be involved with that stuff? You know, and you know, I had a great career at the CIA. Enjoyed it. Would love to see the the CIA come back to its former greatness. Uh, and I hopefully will be able to push that process along. But uh, you know, government, you know, just it's it's so goofball in so many ways. You're better off in private sector. You're going to have a happier life in private sector, even if you think that's bureaucratic. Oh my God, you got to see the government in action. Wow. So, okay. Is the, let's see, <laughs> let's, ah, there's so much to talk about, but what I'm thinking is let's end on hopefully a positive note and uh, get together again in a couple of months. Cause I'd really like to make this if possible, if you're up for it, kind of a, a regular thing, because you you've got so much information that we all need and i think for most of the listeners the smaller bites are better what can people do now i mean i just i see you know with the who and the world economic forum and all of these organizations trying to take over our lives and control us you know government's part of it i mean it's just it's like this tangled web how, what can people do? 
besides just say no? <laughs> I mean, well, voting, of course, is very high on the list. I would also. But what about our what about our elections being corrupt? I mean, geez, I just. Yeah, it's a real problem. I mean, that all of that stuff is a real problem. I, I mean, I, I want to make a pitch for myself out of that. I would say you go to my website, IntelReform.org, and, and any contributions there are used. And by the way, uh, I take zero. So in that sense, it's 100% efficient. I do not take any money. I don't pay myself anything out of AIR. I put money into AIR. I'm a, I donate to it myself out of pocket, but there's limits to what I can pay for myself. But getting this sort of information out there is really helpful. And every penny that I get goes directly into that process to getting information out in front of more people. And I've just upgraded my website and working hard to do this. We did a lot of stuff in the last round of elections. I was out stumping, which I paid for out of my pocket, out stumping for a uh, Supreme Court candidate in the state of Montana. And we did a lot of stuff in North Carolina for school board elections and things like that. You, we're, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're doing everything that we could do, but uh, more help on, on, the, on the money side would be a huge uh, help. And, and I've had a lot of big victories in these things and elections included. But one of them, for example, if everyone remembers back a few years ago, where uh, in, in the Obama days, they kept talking about lone wolf and self-radicalized and all this, that stuff. I took that issue on head on, me, all by myself, little old me, took that on <laughs> head on and won because I changed the wow. dialogue in the United States of America based on that because I pointed out that all of the administration people, Obama on down, are absolutely lying to the American public. There is nothing about this that is self-radicalized or has happened in a vacuum. And I started pointing out all of the different things that were clear evidence of it. There was a lot of overseas evidence, interviews with people, uh, documentation that came out of Al-Qaeda and ISIS themselves. I started pointing out all these facts over and over and over and over and over, really hitting it hard. And within a year, we won that battle. And that was that was really only pushed out by me. Wow. And there have been two or three or other things like that where I'm able to win these battles. But it takes it takes some money. Like I said, I'm, I'm paying for this out of pocket to, to try and do what we can do so far. But uh, more means accomplishing more. That's just the, the, mm -hmm. the simple truth to it. But that's one thing. Yes. But people can also go out and volunteer to be uh, precinct captains and things like that for the party. Uh, the Republican Party, unfortunately, is kind of hit or miss. There's really good, effective ones. And there's really crappy ones that just aren't are ineffective and kind of liberal la-la land. But going in, being a good, solid conservative, you can try to move the needle a little bit the right direction by, by volunteering to be precinct captains. And very often, those positions aren't even filled. So uh, it's it's mm. those are the types of things that can be done. And certainly voting and uh, volunteering to help, uh, you know, even if you don't have money to throw up these problems, volunteering to help knock on doors for your your politician of choice, things like that. All of those things make a difference. So anything anyone can do along any of those lines, uh, it, it does help. It does move things the right way. And and trust me, we're rolling a big, big rock up a hill. So it's it takes everybody to chip in. Mm hmm. And and keep informed, you know, so you know what is going on. For example, and I've said this before, I used to hate Trump, but that's when I was watching mainstream legacy media. And then one day somebody I think it was on Telegram, somebody sent me a thing that said, I know you don't like him, but do you like these 20 things that he's accomplished? And I started reading them and I was like, uh, well, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I thought, boy, I need to look at this again. You know, I need to reevaluate. 
I think you've summed up Trump very nicely. I mean, as a guy, I, he doesn't bother me particularly. Uh, you know, rich, successful guys, you know, being in the job I was in, I was around those guys day in, day out. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that have pretty good egos that are out there, but haven't done much. Those are the ones that kind of piss me off. But a guy like Trump who's accomplished some stuff, okay, yeah, he's got an ego, whatever. You know, it just doesn't matter to me. But uh, he, I understand he can be a, a difficult guy to like. But who cares? You know, really, ultimately, who cares? I don't care what he's like. Mm -hmm. Rush Limbaugh, before he passed away, God bless his soul. uh, One of the things that he said is people are turning to Trump because it's it's like, you know, you you have a rat infested home and you've got all these guys coming that promise you they're going to get rid of the rats and none of them do it. And then you've got this guy who's an a-hole you don't like, but he says he's going to get rid of your rats, and he does. So you're going to use yeah. him. And and maybe that's Trump for most people, uh, which not me. I like the guy personally, but not me. If But if, if, if people look at him that way, but still support him and vote for him, then, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, and, and I don't think right. it should matter to people if he's like orange you know, or, yeah, or yeah. He, he's kind of brash <laughs> in the way he speaks, you know? <laughs> well, I think that's part of the problem with politics is that many, many people vote on personality as opposed, I mean, look at how, how well Obama came across. I, I thought he was a good guy. <laughs> Little did I know, but y- you know, um, because he's well-spoken, he, you know, presents himself well, and for those but, who don't really delve into politics, you, you know, it's like, oh, this guy seems like a good guy. Yeah, you take a quick glance at it. And if you're not really, you know, delving into it and paying attention, like you've got a family and kids to raise or whatever that keeps you busy, you don't have time for mm-hmm. too much of that stuff. And you take a look at that guy and go, yeah, OK, he looks good. But, you know, I've had people I this is a long time ago, but I had uh, a family member years ago, uh, someone much older than myself that that told me that they voted for John Kennedy because he had such great hair. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. That's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. That was what I thought too. You know, I didn't say too much, but I was going, Holy shit. I mean, if there were any kind of test for, you know, ability to vote, I don't think you'd pass, you know? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And you just, you know, you don't know, like with DeSantis, I keep going back and forth on how I feel about him, you know, because he's done some good things. But there are other things that I'm like, how come you haven't, how come you haven't tackled this? How come you haven't stopped this? You know, it's, well, that, know. it's, it's the politician in them all and they all suffer from it. I'm the only guy, at least who suffers a much less is Trump, but those mm-hmm. guys all, you know, they don't, they want to accomplish stuff in a way that makes them look good, but to take on a serious problem, uh, you know, there, there's, you know, there's very little percentage in that from a government perspective. And trust me when I say this, if, if there's an actual problem, basically fixing problems in the government is just too risky because you 100% are going to alienate a percentage of people. It doesn't matter what the problem is. If you actually move to fix something, you're going to alienate a pretty good percentage of people. And Really? The- I mean, people wouldn't respect that? Correct. Wow. You saw what happened with Trump. Trump was fixing a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. We had the best economy. Yep. We had the lowest unemployment in all the minority groups we'd ever had since records have been kept. Well, what respect did that get him from anybody? You know, the people who already voted for him. But if you listen to legacy media, that's not what they talked about. They talked about everything negative and made up. You didn't really, I didn't really understand. And yes, I mean, legacy media, as you say, the mainstream media is not going to point out good stuff about Trump. Trump because 
you know, they don't want to. And so they, mm-hmm. they only concentrate on the bad stuff. And, uh, you know, on the bad guys, you know, the communists, they only concentrate on the good stuff. On the Americans who are good guys from our perspective, they only concentrate on the bad stuff. And that's their reporting. That's why it's so slanted all the time. Or made up. Yeah. And they, they do invent stuff. It's, it's outright lies or lies of omission. Uh, you know, they use mm-hmm. all of the techniques that they can to, to move their, you know, f- philosophy forward. Uh, but you, you just, if you take on a serious problem in government, there are people involved with that problem. Like, like right now, we've been talking about the example of, of the of the corrupt nature of the FBI. Now, it's we all see it's corrupt. The leadership is corrupt. So now, if I'm elected president of the United States, which, as I said, I'm not running, don't care to, I'm not being serious. Just this is an example. But if I were okay. if I were president of the United States, uh, you know, and I step in and I eliminate the corrupt leadership, let's say I'm able to find every single one of them and I get rid of them all in one fell swoop. You think that's not going to piss off a huge swath of people? It will. And they will be bringing people out of the woodwork who's going to say, well, I'm crazy. I'm damaging. I'm murdering children. I'm killing this. I'm racist. I'm, you know, every name in the book is what's going to be called to me. And now I fix it. And the FBI is finally legitimate, working right, working the way it's supposed to, doing the work of the American people, enforcing law, not getting into politics. Let's say I successfully do all that stuff. Where is that constituency that I build out of that that offsets all the hatred that's going to come from the left? And there isn't one. I will have succeeded. I will have fixed it. But that doesn't give me a big constituency of of people that are so vocally supporting me like the people that are so vocally going to hate me. That's government by its nature. Fixing problems Mm. doesn't help you. It, it it creates a body of people who hate you, and and that's that's one of the problems with government. I'll I you know mm. I I can tell you many stories of this, but I'll I won't go into the details of it. But uh, I was talking to a it was when in my younger years, just joining the agency, still wet behind the ears sort of thing, and uh, there was a a big CI incident that that went on where you know espionage took place that was. Uh, not in our favor. It was something very bad for us. And we changed the regulations uh, in the agency uh, because of that case. And I, I was talking to the guy who just happened to be the number two in the IG, the inspector general's office, who they play a major role in this and make recommendations to him. And I said, hey, you know, I knew him because of different reasons, but uh, knew him well enough to speak to him on a like first name basis. Like we weren't friends, but uh, so I saw him in the hallway and said, hey, you know, Harvey, not his real name. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, what's the deal with this? You know, why would we make that regulation? That has nothing to do with the problem. You know, this was the problem. It happened because of this, 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 and this. You know, why don't we? You know, why aren't we addressing the problem instead of you know creating this unrelated regulation that's just going to make trouble? And he goes, Brad, you don't understand what the actual problem is. The actual problem here is that Congress wants us to do something, and so this is what we can get done super easy. And so we're doing something, mm. and that's 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 government. That's that is how those decisions are made. It's not to fix the actual problem. It's to show you did something. And you're mm-hmm. way better off showing you did something like create a new regulation because you do not create a body of people that hate your guts as a result of having fixed the problem. That is the nature of government. That's wow. This is one of the many reasons we're in such deep kimchi. Hmm. I get it. Sounds like it would be better to have people who are just for like four year term 
and get in there, do their thing. They really want to improve things. And then they aren't going to get reelected anyway, right? So they can they can really put the boots to the ground and do some good. Yeah, how we get good people in that office, I, it's tough. That's one of the reasons why at AIR we're out supporting specific people. If they don't kind of meet my threshold, I, I just, I won't, you know, I, I won't help them or work for them. And, and I'll point out the negatives. Uh, well, I would say one of my criticisms of Rush Limbaugh, which is my criticism of of all of the people out in these nonprofits and stuff, not doing what you do, but the nonprofits themselves, like at AIR, uh, but they, they fall under that Limbaugh syndrome. And that Limbaugh would not back candidates for like president. And uh, when Trump was running and all of that, he would talk about Ted Cruz. He would talk about these people. And if he talked too much about any one of them, all the like if he talked too much about Trump, uh, all the Ted Cruz people would get pissed off and say, hey, you're not talking about Ted Cruz. You're spending all your time on Trump and da, da, da. And Rush Limbaugh was constantly defending himself, saying, well, well, you know, Trump is what's in the news. I talk about what's in the news. When 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 Ted Cruz is in the news, I talk about Ted Cruz, you know, and all these other guys. But he had a problem in that he was making, I don't know how much, but like a billion dollars a year off of this radio show. And okay. if he started saying stuff against Ted Cruz or you know, I prefer Trump because of this. Ted Cruz is okay, but he's not that good because of this, this, and this. And the list and starts uh, classifying in order of his preference each of those other guys. He would have won the election for whoever it was he picked, but he would have pissed off the supporters of all those other people, and he would have cut his profits probably in half in that radio show. See, that's a that's a conundrum. That's a problem, and that was what Rush Limbaugh was faced with. He knew who the better candidates were, and he knew most of these people personally. But he was unable to say that, honestly. Well, this is one of the reasons why my thoughts on this is I don't take any money out of AIR because I don't want to live off of that. I have a day job that pays for whatever I do, and I do that in my back pocket. It's not, not my hobby precisely, but I, I do it because I believe in it, and I don't want to get hooked on it where I depend on it for money and my livelihood because then – I'm at the I, I have to operate mm -hmm. at the will of my donors or advertisers and I have to do whatever they say right now. Anybody right. that donates to me or any advertisers, advertisers that want to work with me, I can say, I don't, I don't care what you think. You know, I, I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll replace right. you. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Yep. Even on Fox News, like I guarantee you the very best of them, Tucker Carlson. And I've talked to this producer, Tucker Carlson, every year makes a trip around to all of his major advertisers that make mm -hmm. that show money. And. Those guys say to him stuff like, I don't want any more reporting on this. I don't like that stuff. And he has to do it because oh, that's wow. how Fox News operates. All of those guys do it. It's not just him. All of them do it from all of the TV news stations. They go around and talk to their major advertisers. And there's, you know, there's always four or five big ones that do, you know, the vast majority of the advertising that keep that show afloat. And whatever it is those guys like or don't like, that's what they have to report on. That's the way it works. Well, and considering almost everything is brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I, yeah, that influences what gets reported. So that is, yeah. that's one of the reasons why I've kind of selected what I've been doing and why I have uh, kind of self-financed all this stuff and those sorts mm -hmm. of things, because I don't, I don't want to fall into that trap. I don't want to be in the position that Rush Limbaugh was in where, where he has to be very cautious of what he says on those things. I want to be able to say what I said about DeSantis. I like DeSantis. Okay. He's a decent guy. Um, Mike Pompeo, you know, he's a smart guy. He's on the right side of things, but those guys are politicians. They're not going to mm -hmm. fix the problem. 
Trump is not a politician. He now understands right. the problem. Will he fix it? Maybe, maybe not. But he at least could fix it where these other mm-hmm. guys cannot fix it. They won't do it. They just they're they're not wired that way and they're not going to do it. So if DeSantis is the nominee, would I vote for him? Yes. Uh, if he gets elected, would he be a decent president? Yes, I think he would be. But could but nobody has the potential that Trump has. He's got he's mm-hmm. the one guy that has real potential to really try and fix some of the the very serious problems that we find ourselves in. So, I mean, that's which we desperately you know, that's pure need. analysis, mm-hmm. which we desperately yeah. need. So now. Yeah. Whether I like Trump personally or not, you know, is irrelevant, you know, but here I'm able to give right. honest analysis of it. And you, you can agree or disagree or whatever, or, you know, have a different analysis. That's all fine. But at least I'm in a position to say what I think. And that's that's and that's that's my promise to AIR is just to be able to be there and say what I really think and give my real analysis, because, you know, not many people out there that can do that. Well, and I certainly honor you for it. Brad, what is your website again? Uh, my website is intelreform.org. Dot org and uh, okay. Intel reform is one word and uh, we just refurbished it. It looks pretty good. I'm very you know proud that we've gotten it going. There's still some little quirky things in there that we're working on. And we uh, I even opened a store in there so that we can sell some little products with the AIR logo and things. We're going to work mm-hmm. to expand that. We're just getting it up and running. So we're still still working our way through some of the little bugs that we've come across. But it looks much better. It's, it's, an, it's a nice website now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of proud of what we've been able to do. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, Brad, thank you so much. I, I really hope the listeners have gotten as much out of this as I have, because I I really honor your your perspective, your brain, your your experience. You you have your finger on the pulse of being able to um how do I want to say it? Like like put the threads together to have it make sense. There are a bunch of other paths that I would like to go down, but we'll do that on the next conversation. All right. I look forward to it. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you so much, Brad Johnson, for giving us your no-nonsense perspective on current events. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen to and download episodes. You can also listen to slideshow videos on BitChute and Rumble. And please remember to subscribe while you're there and on Rumble. Give me a rumble. Do you know someone who would find my conversation with Brad Johnson super informative? Really, I think this is a really important conversation. We all need to, you know, how do I want to say it? Putting your head in the sand is not going to help right now. We all need to be aware of what's going on. So please share the love. Until next time, take care and be well. Be well.